0: See, yeah, I believe in hope. I believe in belief. Honey, is that an ingredient or is that something you just calling me right now? The ingredient. Shoot, I was kinda of hoping with the other one. How worried are you about the threat of relegation? Well, Lloyd, right now I'm mostly concerned with the definition of relegation. Congrats. You both just met a cool person. <laughs> I'm free. One, two, three. On, on, Yo. Yo. <laughs> hey Josh, how you doing? Doing great, Joey. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Uh, I was going to tell you this in the bit where we were planning just before we started the episode, but I've never met a man who has as much faith in hotel Wi-Fi as you do.
1: <laughs> it's true. I I love uh, just playing the gambling game, which I, I meant to record locally as well, not just through our uh, service here. But we've already hit record, so we're just going to have to just trust yeah. the system.
0: Um, this this is releasing tomorrow uh, from when we're recording as well. So no chance to mess this up, I'm afraid.
1: Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> uh, so one thing we did forget last week is we forgot to throw out a spoiler warning. So before we really start diving into this week's episode, we do have to say spoiler warning ahead for seasons one and two of Ted Lasso, as well as episodes one and two of season three of Ted
0: Lasso. Yeah, if you don't want to spoil Ted Lasso, just go go away now. Not, I mean that in the nicest way possible for the lovely people that listen to your podcast, Josh. But uh, don't let us ruin it because it's really good.
1: Yeah, if Ted Lasso is something you've been interested in, strongly recommend it. And then you can come back here once season three starts and you can come episode by
0: episode along with us. Yeah, that'll be fun. So um, what we should say is, Josh, uh, welcome to Talking Lasso. Episode two, because exactly, my, yeah. my introduction my introduction really, really got in the way of that introduction <laughs> that you normally do, so here we are. Well, we still haven't nailed down a, uh, an intro other than the yo. <laughs> other than, yeah, a single two-letter word is as, <laughs> as much as we can muster, especially as, Josh, you are recording this at seven o'clock in the morning, and I know for a fact that you've been up for at least two hours.
1: Yep, because I am on the West Coast and I live in the Central Time Zone, so I am two hours behind where I normally am. So my body, despite having been on this side of the country for a full week now, is still like it's
0: time to wake up. <laughs> it's it's four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. It's time to wake You're up. physically and mentally drained, but you know, let's let's wake up now, <laughs> and then let's let's go two hours from there and talk about Ted Lasso with some. Knobbed from across the pond. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I couldn't be happier to do that. Right, Josh, let's uh, let's jump into the episode. So the episode is called Chelsea, but it's got a little little brackets, right? Um, it is called brackets,
1: I don't want to go to, and brackets, Chelsea. And I'm curious if that is an homage to something, but I'm not quite sure what. My brain wants to go without a... a I don't want to miss a thing from Aerosmith and uh, uh, Armageddon.
0: No, but- no idea. I mean, this didn't make me cry like that bit in Armageddon did. So um, <laughs> I'm going to say it not. But if it is a reference, something it's it's gone over my head. I'm afraid.
1: Yeah, I'm not quite sure what the the point of the brackets is. But we're not the creatives on the show, so we don't get a say. But the, the episode opens with uh, a, a lovely neon sign for KJPR, which is Keeley Jones Public Relations, which I work in the radio industry. So I saw KJPR and I was like, why are we at a radio station? Because <laughs> every radio station in the US is either WXRX or KJPJ or something. Uh, and so I saw K, KJPR and I was immediately just like radio station. Then I saw, oh, it's Keeley Jones public relations you thought, why am i bringing
0: my work home with me
1: (laughs) my work is just in my brain (laughs) and so we we just it's basically just a cold open showing that keely is trying to soften up the crew and get them out of their shells uh we we see uh barbara again who's just telling her exactly what she needs to do to make sure finances are where they need to be don't go into overtime because then the pr
0: company pays for the overtime yeah, my uh, my first note that I've written down is Barbara CFO. She is not fun. So, um, and also that Keely is not enjoying this experience as we predicted. I have a funny story about Barbara a little bit later on, but I'll explain it when we get there in my notes.
1: Is it the snow globes?
0: Yeah, it's not the snow globes. It's actually something that I I made a mistake, but I'll I'll explain it when we get to that scene.
1: All right. Well, that's basically the only thing. Keely walks out and she tells the group, don't do anything I wouldn't do. And that confuses them because they're all just nerds on their computers, essentially. (laughs) I don't
0: don't know if they are nerds. I think they're just like, they all look absolutely terrified. They look like, you know, when it's someone's first day at work and they have to behave and they have to do everything by the book. And, And I don't think they're pictured like that. I think they're just pitched as people with no real like personalities they're just a bit robotic that yeah and they're, they're too
1: scared to do anything because they've worked with barbara before as we've established yeah. i believe in this episode
0: yep um, yep so keely yeah. suggested uh doing something with the office to to kind of build morale and build a team and and barbara says something along the lines of well i've worked with these before the these have no personality you won't get anything out of them
1: yeah, what you see is what you get, and so obviously there's going to be growth uh, coming to that, that office as Keeley softens everyone up.
0: Either that or or Keeley goes full like dictator and just fires everyone she doesn't like. That would be another route that she could go.
1: That would be interesting. That would almost be like a, another Nate, but I, I don't think that's where we're going. Keeley's villain arc. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take Roy to bring her back. Mm, yeah. So
0: from there, we go to Rebecca's office, right?
1: Yes, uh, we have the return of Trent Krim,
0: no longer of the Independent. No longer of the Independent. As a character, I really like Trent Krim, and we should at some point talk about their White House appearance, the the Ted Lasso cast, yes, um, which was awkward and strange, but very interesting to say the least. But maybe let's talk about that maybe after the episode before we get into Josh's quiz.
1: Yeah. Um, so. With Trent Krim's return, we also uh, find out that Trent wants to write a book about this season for Richmond because he he believes there is a story to tell. But as a journalist for a newspaper, as a pundit, he he really kind of couldn't get to the, the bottom of that story. He couldn't do like a, a weekly expose or anything like that. Yeah. A book seems to be the way he wants to go with it. And uh, he just needs permission from the team, which Rebecca and... Leslie and even Keeley have all just kind of passed the buck off to Ted to make this decision. They're all saying, nope, don't do it, nope, but they don't want to be the mean ones, and Ted, being Ted,
0: says, yeah, sure, why not? (laughs) I really liked that Trent looking at Ted while all of them behind them were mouthing, like, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it, and then he just goes, yeah, that's fine, yeah, that's fine.
1: I, I, I thought about how how hard of an attention or not, not attention span, but just like how locked in Trent Krim was on Ted (laughs) that entire time, because he, he, everyone's making obvious movements that he should be able to see out of his peripheral, (laughs) but Trent's just locked in on Ted making these.
0: Well, I think, I think if, if Trent, well, Trent knows Ted, by now pretty well they've been to dinner together they spent a lot of time over the first two seasons he knows ted can't say no to him because he sees him as a friend so i think that locked on eye contact is very um intentional from trent's character i could see that yeah but i also don't understand why rebecca didn't just say no she didn't want it she's the boss just say no
1: yeah, that's, that's a weird one. I, th- I think it's more just because they have kind of built a rapport with Trent Krim and they have a, a little bit of a history with him. So they, they just decided to try and see if Ted would be the bad guy in this situation.
0: Yeah, that's, that's never happened so far.
1: <laughs> and throughout this scene, after Ted decides that he's going to let Trent write this book and follow the team for the season, we find out that Zava is mm. leaving his team in Italy to come and be... Uh, in the, the Premier League, because his wife really enjoyed the British office. And yeah. this is one of my first real notes, is that the whole who's on first bit... Uh, oh, nope, that's actually in the locker room. Sorry.
0: <laughs> that's okay.
1: Um, jumped ahead on my notes.
0: I was going to ask you about um, a couple of things with this scene. So have you ever watched the UK office?
1: I have seen a few episodes, but I've not watched the entire thing. I think it's because it is much drier than mm. the... The more bombastic U.S. version?
0: Yeah, but the U.S. office... So the line here is that Zava's wife binged the U.S. office and now wants to live in England as a result. Um, The U.S. office is based in Slough, which I don't know if you can, but Google what's in Slough because it's literally nothing. It's just the biggest hole that you've ever seen. Um, (laughs) Sorry if anyone listening to Talking to Matt lives in Slough, but... um, DM me, I'll send you my address and we can fight. But, uh, but <laughs> Sl- Slough is, uh, its just nothing there. The whole joke of The Office is that it's a bit of a shithole. Um, and so it just made me laugh that Zava's wife would watch it and be like, oh yeah, I want to live there. Um, I thought that was really good. And also uh, when, when they were mentioning Zava and talking about Zava, I Googled who is Zava based on. I realized after I did that, I really didn't need to, because when we see Zava, it's very, very, very clear that he's meant to be Zlatan Ibrahimović, who I sent you a picture of. Um, And I think they've done really well to kind of subtly (laughs) uh, make him look like Zlatan Ibrahimović. I believe that the guy who plays Zava also was in something quite big, but I can't remember what it was. I think it's Star Wars related, so I was hoping you might know, Josh.
1: Um, I had looked him up, uh, or at least I, I did a Google search, and I got really upset at the uh, the search results I got because the number one thing I got was a USA Today article, which I shared with you. Yeah, and it was just clickbait nonsense. It's like, who is Zava based on? And then I opened it, and there's like seven paragraphs or seven subject lines of meet the actor playing Zava. What did he do to get the role? Yeah, and that's... it 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 took to like the bottom
0: of the page. To get to that. I, like, I liked him. I thought he was a good character. And I, play, I think he played the arrogance needed for the Zava character very, very well.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll get into some of that once we are introduced to Zava. Uh, the only other thing in the scene that I will say is um, when Ted talks about Skittles and how the dye melts in your hands, your hands get all sticky. Skittles are, with the lime, being reintroduced to the package, uh, which Skittles, not a sponsor, <laughs> but could be. Um <laughs> Uh, They they are my favorite candy with the lime in there, but I I have to eat them like directly out of the bag and feed the bag into my mouth. I can't hold them in my hand because my hand gets sticky. So I'm right there with Ted.
0: I have this image of you just putting the bag on the counter and lifting it up into your mouth like a bird (laughs) eating a fish, but um, I'm sure that's not the case. The thing I noted about this scene is it's the first time in the two episodes that Rebecca's really admitted that she wants to one-up Rupert. Because Trent Crim says something along the lines of you're willing to um, put the club's finances and squad harmony in jeopardy to sign Zava simply because your ex-husband is doing this. And then we have a repeat of the joke that we had where everyone's behind Trent Crim looking at Rebecca, shaking their heads and going, no, 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 don't say yes, don't say yes. And she looks at and she just goes, yeah. And that was it. I just thought it was really... Um, a good, good, very immediate callback to the joke that they just made,
1: yeah, and Trent's reaction with the love that yeah uh, that that was solid is a very punchline, solid. which i th- I feel like that starting from there, this episode goes on like a good ten minute stretch of some really good gags,
0: yeah, yeah, there is one coming up that I was very impressed with that um you sent me afterwards that I didn't notice at the time, the wishing time.
1: Which uh, I I was gonna bring that up at eleven eleven. I believe that's only with the tra If you get a trailer for Apple TV in front of it, because ah, I've okay. watched the episode three times total now, because I took notes this week, and <laughs> the last two times I stopped at the eleven eleven alarm, and it's like like ten minutes and thirty one seconds.
0: Oh, that's disappointing.
1: So either the video is fake, or you have to have a prerequisite of a trailer in front of it.
0: Okay, okay, fair enough.
1: Uh, so the next scene we got is we see the official dividing of stuff amongst Roy Lee. Uh, yeah. Uh, Keely arrives. She meets up with Isaac, uh, which uh, I'm forgetting the guy's name, but the dude that plays Isaac looks really good this year. Like he looks fit where yeah, last season does. I was like, eh, he he seems a little thick to be like a pro footballer. He's a
0: cuddly lad is what you're saying. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, like he didn't look unhealthy, but he just he seemed bigger than the other guys. And this season, especially in his face, like he's just more cut, mm. and he he looks more fit and like a like a someone you would assume is a professional footballer, an athlete. Yeah, no, I get yeah. that.
0: I get that. I don't think I ever made the the comparison. Um, I I, I completely understand what you mean.
1: I am curious how Keeley's going to find him a shoe deal because she says, what brand? And he goes, no brands, just shoes. <laughs> like, But
0: every shoe is a brand. <laughs> she can do whatever. She can do anything. He could just be an ambassador for wearing shoes. It's true.
1: Ooh. And then Roy shows up after Jamie says hello because you know, there's still awkwardness as Roy shows up. So Jamie just gives them space. And Isaac points out that clearly through their body language, which I think is a big thing in this episode, that they've broken up because keely's got her arms crossed there's no eye contact everything's just awkward
0: and yeah and they, they they point that out really explicitly as well don't they isaac isaac there's a shot of keely and roy and isaac literally walking through all of the different bits of body language that mean that they are not comfortable together
1: yeah and it, it's something that i went through as uh, i wanted to watch the episode a third time because it's a pretty good episode and also i wanted to see how much of the body language stuff really comes through which uh there's at least one more that I'm going to point out uh, later in the episode because I think that one is important. Nice. Um, but with with the official breakup, there's a really good moment just after Keely and Roy head down the hallway. Roy goes right, Keely goes through the exit, and Jamie's following. And as audience viewers, we're thinking, oh, he's going to go after Keely mm. because he said he loved her last season. But instead, he follows Roy. And we get a really good scene of <laughs> Jamie trying to be empathetic and uh, just like trying to comfort Roy in, uh, in his moment of need. And it, it's just it was a really nice scene of like surrogate son, surrogate dad, but they also yeah. still kind of dislike each other.
0: I I, this had my favorite joke in this bit and where so basically Roy doesn't want anyone to the team to know because he knows that they'll treat him differently if they find out they'll act like sorry for him like he's a sad sack so he says to Jamie this stays between us and then it goes silent for just a second and he says and William who's the new kit man and William was in the background of the scene the whole time and he's like no, no, I won't say anything. <laughs> it just made me laugh so much because you didn't expect anyone to be in the room with them.
1: Yeah, I think they did that joke uh, at least one other time in season two, where he just happened to be in the 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 locker room or the the kit room or wherever, and they just like immediately just like point really quickly and just like William, don't you do that either? <laughs> like I, I, I won't.
0: <laughs> I just, I yeah, I think it's a, but I know it was done last season, but this time it made me laugh out loud. I had to pause the 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 show so that I could focus on what was coming up next because mm-hmm. I, I thought that was so well delivered. So
1: moving into what's next, uh, my notes say that we we're, we're back into the coach's office. Uh, mm-hmm. Ted's reading uh, one of Coach Beard's soccer books, and he can't get past the table of contents, which I thought was funny and uh I had a question for you do you think that is foreshadowing what we talked about last week where maybe Ted's going to pick up some of the slack that's now left from the the void of Nate or do you think it's solidifying that Ted d- still just doesn't know soccer or football
0: strategy yeah i i think it's the latter um because they were so clear on how um i'm trying to think of the right word here because i don't want to say like tactically incompetent but ted ted is there as a hype man isn't he really um and the the brains of the operation literally come from Beard and roy now um and i think if if spoilers for what's coming ahead if it went badly um for what's what's coming ahead i would have thought that ted would try harder on the tactics but because it doesn't, I don't think he will. I think they could have easily, um, they could have easily made it so that they got absolutely hammered in the game that's coming up, and then they're like, "Oh, well, now Ted, it's time to pick up your ideas with your tactics."
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point because, yeah, if they if they did get a uh, get destroyed, then obviously they need to change something, and that something is seems to be coming in the form of a player, uh, not necessarily tactics
0: there's there's something in here that i really liked as well because at the same time as this is going on um the team finds out about a few things they find out about zava um potentially coming to richmond although at this point it's really not looking like it's going to happen they also find out about Trent Crim's book, and they find out about Roy and Keeley. And the thing that gets them is, is Roy and Keeley. But there's something I really liked in this. When they mentioned Zava, did you notice the whole team were really excited about it because he's this legendary player, apart from Jamie Tart, who every time Zava is mentioned about coming to Richmond, seems visibly upset or like in denial that it's going to happen. And that's simply because they play the same position. It's going kind to of mean that Jamie doesn't play.
1: Yeah, I, I caught on to that too. And uh, I, I like that a lot because, again, it's I think it's setting up another, maybe another mirroring of Nate, but this yeah. time maybe Ted's going to notice. Or, or um, again, drawing parallels to the Mighty Ducks. I think it's in Mighty Ducks too, where they move a player to a different position. So I'm wondering if maybe they don't move Sam or Jamie from a striker position to a midfielder to try mm. and see if that can't help even out the the playing time. But it, it, this isn't a show that's really about football. So like no. it, it could be something that completely goes, goes away because I remember last season uh, you and I had talked about it in the, the dad pod episode of talking smack where um, I thought they were going to make a big deal about their budget last season. Yeah. It, there, but apparently it was just a throwaway line where they're like, we have a, a premier league
0: budget and a champions league. What are we going to do? (laughs) Nothing, because it's not important. Saying I'm not going to talk about finances. I also think that's because they only spent one season down in the championship where the money is lower. And you get a big payout when you go down. So um, I think they could have made more of that, but I don't think it made for good telly. Um, So I think they just dropped it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think this scene is also where the the stretch of really good gags ends because the whole who's on first bit with uh, we're getting Zava. No, I'm talking about Rowan Healy. Oh, well, I was talking about Trent Krim. Like that whole thing I thought fell really flat. Like they they didn't set it up to the point where it was obvious enough for the listener or the the viewer to know what the joke was being, what, what it was tend, intended to be what was actually being said because there's the whole talk with Roy, where it's like, do you want to talk about it? Whereas like, no, I don't want to talk about me and Keely. He's like, Oh, I was talking about Zava. Oh, he's a great player, yeah. but he's going to cause some drama. Well, that time I was talking about you and Keely. Oh yeah. no, I don't want to talk about it. Like the, it was
0: too, too vague. It was, it was quite forced as well. Um Whereas I think the jokes up until now have felt quite natural in it. And just, the the jokes in this episode either seem like something that could happen like the will joke or quite slapstick like the um shaking their head behind trent crim in a very obvious manner um i yeah. think that, that there's not a lot of middle ground and like you say that one that one fell felt flat i think it's like you said it's the best way of saying it
1: yeah i did like ted fainting at the news of yeah. rory and keely breaking up that was good
0: yeah. And I also enjoyed um, Coach Beer's little squeal when. So so they said, what. At the start of the scene, Trent said, what would you say if I, we got um, Zava? And he made like a little shriek squeal, like <laughs> yes. completely, um, completely. Like an involuntary. His, yeah. Yeah. And then when when it's mentioned that, that Roy and Keeley broke up, he makes the same squeal, which I just thought was really funny.
1: And then uh, last thing I'll say about this scene is when. Trent Krim enters the scene and Roy says, no one talked to this prick and he's about to slam the door. You can see Jamie next to, uh, I believe he's standing next to Will and he, he's just sitting there covering his mouth, putting his fingers over his lips. And he, yeah. you can tell he's on the verge of breaking like something that Brett Goldstein was doing in that moment was just so funny to him that you could just see him sitting there like he, someone else is in trouble and not me. <laughs> and uh, there's another, it comes back later in the the episode as well, but, um, I think that's when Jamie drops a line of like it's funny
0: when he's I'm not the one getting yelled at. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one as well.
1: <laughs> so the next scene we got is Keeley shooting a commercial for some kind of tea like. <laughs> Caffeine tea, herbal teas—I I don't know. For some
0: thing is—is, is,
1: God knows. Some kind what of it was fancy for. drink. <laughs> yeah, some kind
0: of fancy drink that only rich people are going to buy. Some kind of fancy drink that if you fed it to a goat, it would immediately die. Is what we learned. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the the only thing I really have to say about this scene, I, I feel like it it is just a setup scene where Keely meets an old friend of hers and she's going to yeah. give her a job. Uh, the only note I really have about that is the i don't know if they're the directors or the producers or who they are but they are bad at their jobs because <laughs> well, they're the ones who asking playing.
0: for more more actors from Keeley. yes yeah
1: because yeah, they and then uh keely's friend uh shandy is like we'll just move everyone closer to the camera it'll look more packed like if you're experienced directors you should know that trick
0: yep yeah, I agree. I the only thing I have about this is I really didn't think I would like Shandy when we first met her. She kind of she was portrayed as a like a bit of a an airhead in the very first few sentences. And then she turned around and basically directed the director. And my next line it says, I don't think I'm going to like Shandy and then the next line underneath it is, Shandy is great. <laughs> so I did a very quick one eighty on that. But we move on to a conversation with Rebecca and her mum on a facetime or video call or whatever she uses um and she talks about um meeting a psychic and i don't have a lot of notes on this but i can't really remember the relevancy of the conversation to be honest with you to the episode
1: yeah i I couldn't tell you what the purpose of that scene was other than to be like rebecca's mom is still around and she's still crazy i wonder i wonder again if that's maybe dropping some seeds that Rebecca is gonna become so stressed that she's gonna start going to the psychic.
0: Yeah, maybe. But she she clearly is not comfortable with the idea of using one. Um, unlike her mum, who was at like a shaman retreat thing um, when she called her. But but like I said, I don't really understand the relevance to this this episode.
1: Yeah, it, it doesn't quite fit in other than maybe they needed to give Rebecca another scene. And they thought they had a good gag with Rebecca's mom being on this camping retreat, but she also sleeps at a hotel at night because she's not going to sleep on the ground.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is the way to do it.
1: Yeah. You won't hear me complaining about anything like that. I do not (laughs) like camping.
0: (laughs) And you're in a hotel. So it's right now you are Rebecca's mom. Yeah. I'm I'm surrounded by beautiful scenery right now. So (laughs) I'll take it. So we go back and it's at Richmond and it's Trent walking through the back offices into the locker room and he introduces himself to the locker room and all of the players just go absolutely silent. And we get an awkward moment where they're not talking to him and he kind of backs out and goes, okay, well, I'll see you later then. Um, And for a second, he actually seemed quite pleased that they were ignoring him i don't know whether he's thinking it'll make for a good part of the book but he has like a wry smile when he leaves the locker room um and then we have that whole thing with trent and roy sharing an office which i thought was quite quite good uh, my notes here uh, go as far as to say roy is terrifying isn't he um and i've written that i've written that three times in my notes so
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the the wry smile is more to do with the fact that despite Roy being a coach now, he still commands the respect of the locker room. Right. And I think Trent is tickled, for lack of a better word, by how how much respect Roy is still receiving from the players in the team. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: I enjoyed that scene a lot um, with the the sharing an office, and the <laughs> Trent gets a phone call. And the office, Roy's side is full of like condolences cards and balloons saying how sorry they are that uh, him and Keely had broken up. And it was exactly what he didn't want when he was talking to Jamie. Um, so when Trent is taking a, a, a phone call, <laughs> Roy just starts bursting the balloons. Um, and <laughs> he, he. I love how Trent tried to play it off. He's like, I, I don't know if that's you or me. <laughs> and then he leaves. Trent goes to leave the room and Roy just after he pops the last balloon he kind of looks forward and just has a smile to himself that no he knows that he's properly like (laughs) shit Trent. up yep which was was a good moment yeah so then we go from there to keely's office again Uh, and it's the first time that shandy is uh confirmed as um (laughs) working with keely and i really enjoyed keely's coming up with a fake title for um for shandy so when uh Barbara asks uh who is this and Keely goes well I've just hired her this is her job I wish I'd written down what she said her job was but it was it was like head of management structure relations and customer service and it was just one of those where it's loads of buzzwords that mean absolutely nothing and that is her job title (laughs) which I thought was good. And I mentioned earlier the thing about Barbara where I I made a mistake. In my notes, I wrote, did they intentionally call the CFO Karen? And then I realized her name wasn't Karen. And I had just projected that upon her from this scene. <laughs> and I had to cross it all out. Um and I thought I'm not gonna say that on the podcast because it makes me look like an idiot. Um but I but <laughs> I genuinely forgot the CFO's name and thought it was Karen. So there you go.
1: Yeah, that would have been a little too on the nose. And I think they I think they, they, they could have been tempted to call her Karen. Yeah. But I think they went with Barbara because she's gonna have more of a redemption. Like they're clearly already softening her up.
0: Yeah, and they soften her up because after um Keely gives Chandy this this ridiculous job title. Barbara lays into both of them and is really rude and storms off to her office. And Keely stands up to Barbara for the first time. And whilst standing up to Barbara, she turns around and Barbara has a collection of snow globes. And her explanation is, well, the company send me all over the place and wherever i go that i i get a snow globe to remember it by and and it's the first kind of human thing that we see of barbara
1: yeah and then uh the the preface for barbara coming into the office is that she's giving keely her company card which it feels very late in the game to be getting a company card seven eight weeks into them being in full operation
0: yeah but she does say Here's, here's your company credit card. Don't spend anything on it, which I thought was quite good. Yes. <laughs> Just as a side note, the Karen thing, I think, is really, really mean to people called Karen. Yes. I have a, I have an auntie called Karen, and she's absolutely lovely. And every time someone says the word Karen in like a derogatory way, I'm like, Poor Auntie Karen. I'm sure she doesn't enjoy that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I, I I know people with like even kids that are named Karen, and I'm just like, those poor children.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we go from there. Unless you've got anything else to say on, on Barbara. Uh,
1: nope. I, I do think that the Babs name is going to stick as she starts to loosen up. But I'm wondering, again, just maybe maybe I'm giving the show and the the time frame too much credit. I'm wondering if by the time she loosens up, if that's going to end up being a problem. But it could also just be me being like, if this was a 26 episode season, they could do all these storylines, but it's only a 12 episode season. There's not enough time for all that sort of stuff.
0: I quite enjoy guessing where it's going to go. Then that's a good part of what we're doing here.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That projection is always fun.
0: Yeah, so so we move on to Stamford Bridge, the home of Chelsea Football Club. And this is the first football scene in the whole of the series so far. Uh, which I thought was I think Ted Lasso does its live football scene so well, considering it's it's I think they do it the best out of any media that I've seen that don't use actual footage of real football games. Because there's films about football that they just use actual footage and everyone goes, oh, doesn't it look amazing? And he's like, yes, because it's the real thing. But um, it's not with Ted Lasso. And I just think it's worth flagging how good the the live sports scenes actually are.
1: Yeah. And I, I think the only thing they, they don't do well, which as someone who follows sports, is the, the way they present the games can be really jarring. Because especially in this one, uh, which we're jumping ahead just like a few seconds, uh, we get the 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 kickoff whatever yeah the the start of the game is considered and um th- there's a, a trivia question for you what is the opening kick called
0: <laughs> it's kickoff you got it right well done okay
1: um we we get a moment where uh it feels very fluid like oh this is these are the opening seconds of the match and then the goal gets scored and then they're like all right halftime richmond's held on strong after allowing that goal like yeah. wait what it's been five <laughs> seconds of of playtime like what uh, the heck happened
0: see i i didn't get that because in the middle of we get the kickoff and then we get we find out that zava's in the stadium which is like a normal thing to happen here um you'll be watching a football game and then the camera will cut to a player that's looking to sign or a new manager that's rumored to sign and that's almost the confirmation without the club confirming it but zava's in the stands and um, before Zava's there, we get the the whole Roy Kent chant from the Chelsea fans, so he's obviously a legend there, which Roy talks about a little bit later on, and it doesn't go the way that you think it is. That's what you think of um, having your name chanted by the Chelsea faithful, um, mm-hmm. and he kind of goes, well, it made me really sad. But we'll, we'll come on to that. Um, yeah, but then they move-
1: a really great scene. Uh, but before we get into all that, when, when Roy like first walks onto the pitch, he talks to a security guard that's clearly been there a long time. And he just like leans over showing he's like, fuck you, you old geezer.
0: <laughs> and he's like, hello, Roy. <laughs> yeah. Sounding like he's straight from Disney's Robin Hood. <laughs> but then the, the crowd moved really quickly directly off of the back of chanting for Roy to chanting for Zava, who's spotted in the stands. Um, and there's a there's a line here that Leslie um, said about his... I can't remember exactly what the link was. It was something like his son's teacher's wife's masseuse uh, <laughs> who was standing in for someone else, had a massage with someone who had overheard at an airport that Zava was signing for Chelsea. And uh, I think that's really funny because you get that on there's there's like a deadline day um where transfers can be made in in football so on a single day that's when all the transfers are wrapped up and you always get that's like someone saying well they spotted a car that looked like it could have been holding a premier league player heading down south on the motorway (laughs) at this service station and people go mad for stuff like that which i thought was really funny um
1: yeah. Keely had a good line in that too because one of the things that uh Higgins mentions is that uh the person his source can read lips or the, the person that his source knows <laughs> yeah. can read lips. And just complete non-sequitur, Keeley's like, I wish I could read lips.
0: <laughs> yeah. I just I enjoyed that link. I thought it was really good. Um but I've written here again, um, we go so so like you say, we have that conversation and then it cuts to half time and Chelsea are one nil ahead. And I've written here again, Roy is fucking terrifying because uh, Ted stands up to Roy and he basically says, look, you need to squash this beef with Trent, whatever's going on, because it's disruptive to the team. Because Jamie says, well, I've got this idea of how to play and this is what we should do. And then Trent Crim walks in and everyone goes silent. And uh, Ted realises how disruptive that's going to be for the whole season. So he says, look, you need to sort this out. Um, And then Roy is really vulnerable with with Trent and he pulls out his wallet and he's got this review of I think it was his debut um of an article that Trent wrote about him and he he just slates him and that has kind of lived with Roy and has molded Roy into the really angry player that he became
1: yeah and Trent uh opens up to Roy a little bit too saying he was new to writing as well and uh he was just trying to be edgy to, to make a name for himself too Um, We skipped over one bit before halftime started where Rebecca is confiding in Keely about how she and Rupert met, where he Uh, met her at a bar at a party. Rupert saw her. He was with his previous wife before Rebecca. And the next week he came back, didn't have his wife and just chatted up Rebecca. And she tells a story about how over the course of like six, eight weeks or so, he just made her feel like the center of his universe. And she said, she's pointing at, uh, Zava because Rupert has shown up and he, this is the other body language thing that I was going to bring up is th- whoever the stage director was or whoever like the, the, the psychology behind this episode. Cause we talked about how body language is a big thing in this one. Rupert, when he shows up, he has his back to the match. Mm. He is focused solely in on Zava. And I thought that was a really nice touch. Even on the first time I watched it, I was like, that's, that's a manipulator 101 is whatever else is going on in the world. You are focused in on that person. And it's just such a body language manipulation kind of thing where you're the only thing that matters to me right now. So I am focused solely in on you and uh, like that. It, it worked so well with what Rebecca was saying. And she's like, he made me feel like that. And they cut back and he's got, he's, they're like laughing. They're having a moment. But again, his Rupert's back is to the match. And Zava is the only thing in his purview and i thought that was a really good touch
0: yeah it was good i think um i think they continued the theme as well with rupert looking like doc- like he could be called doctor evil um he's once again in his like cartoonishly evil get up which I thought was really funny um, but at half time Rebecca has seen, has seen Rupert leave and thinks that Zava's going and she thinks like this is my chance I'm going to talk to Zava and convince him to join Richmond and she can't even get past Zava's bodyguard because he he's not interested in a little club like Richmond and Rupert comes out and they have a conversation and Rupert makes her feel really really small again and basically belittles Richmond and Zava walks past completely ignores rebecca and goes to the toilet (laughs) and rebecca follows him into the toilet and basically slates him and i imagine speaks to him like no one has ever spoken to zava before because Mm -hmm. he is peeing at the time and pees continuously through this whole conversation but she's like if you're a real winner you'll come to a team that aren't guaranteed to win the premier league or to win trophies if you're a real winner you'll come to richmond and you'll be the player that makes the difference but he doesn't say a word throughout this whole thing until she storms off and she says something along the lines of your diet needs to consist of less asparagus um, <laughs> yes. which was which was funny
1: um and again the body language thing um zava is free balling as he's going to the bathroom like you can clearly see his hands are behind his back <laughs> as he's at the urinal and he's just letting it all hang and just going which again just talks to like his eccentricities and his diva-ish of just diva ishness of like i i don't have to hold what i'm doing what it, what it gets in the toilet gets in the toilet
0: yeah but he, he also, during this, he's looking at the wall or looking down. And then when she starts, he's very slow to face her. But he does finish the conversation looking into her eyes while she's talking. And I think that is almost a sign of like respect to Rebecca, mm-hmm. even though he did the whole thing while peeing.
1: Yeah, which I, I think, again, that, that probably plays into something that appealed to him, is that no one would have done that except... Yeah someone who maybe truly valued his presence in on their, on their club. I was, I was going to jump back just a little bit because before Trent and Roy make up, uh, Ted talks about how he needs to have a Hallmark Christmas movie moment, <laughs> which that, that just made me laugh because again, regular talking smack listeners will remember that prior to the Christmas season, we had Ricky's Hallmark movie challenge between me and Rebecca. And, uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, And then uh, they also did some halftime adjustments where Jamie brings up the fact that Chelsea's playing to cover up the passing lanes, which I I think, again, is a good carryover from previous seasons where Ted's strategy is always to make the extra pass, where in this case, they're challenging them to just keep driving it towards the goal. But I had a question about that because... That seemed like an obvious fix, like in game or in match, and they had to wait till halftime to be like, "Hey guys, this is happening. Can we not do that?"
0: Yeah, I I I think you're probably right. They they maybe wouldn't do that uh, in in game, but I think halftime in football is the only time that the team can actually get together and voice an opinion. It's not like um, American football where you have a break every couple yeah. of minutes between plays to discuss a tactic is you go out there first time with a tactic and the only time you really get to, to change or discuss that is halftime unless there's an injury, unless there's a break that's needed where sometimes you'll see a club, a team huddle around the manager on the touchline but it doesn't happen all the time. So I think if they're going to make a big change to their tactics, it would most likely come at halftime.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. It just, it seemed weird that Uh, Jamie couldn't just take a moment to be like, Hey, just keep driving in the middle of the match. But I mean, it's also a big field, so it's hard to communicate something that's that somewhat complicated in, in the middle of everything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, continuing on, uh, we're, we're basically at the end of the match where, uh, Richmond has opportunity to score a tying goal. And I, I was really hoping Colin would get that goal. Like they set up the joke for, for Danny to score with his face. But I was, I'm really kind of hoping they do something with Colin to redeem him a little bit or show that he is a valuable part of the team because he was yeah. put down so much in the previous season by Nate that I, I would like to see more from Colin just to see him grow and show yeah. his value.
0: I, I, uh, I didn't think about that, to be honest with you. I, I think Colin is kind of, he's there and he's a member of the team and he's playing, which is testament to how they feel about him but i do think that um he's kind of just there in the engine he's not danny rojas who has made a big big deal of him playing he's not jamie tart has made a big deal of him playing um i think because he's not one of the main characters i don't think he's going to get that art and i think if he was going to they maybe would have made more a bigger thing of it like he maybe he has a crisis of confidence and um they have to do a big thing about him playing to the best of his abilities, and they know he's a wonderful player. But because that hasn't happened, I just don't see that happening in the season. Yeah, he
1: he's just he's a he's a facilitator player that was an easy target for Nate. I guess would probably yeah. be the easiest way to yeah. understand it. But and it, everything just that Colin had last season just felt so unearned, and it was just a, a lightning rod for Nate. That I, I would have just liked the at least like one good feel good moment for him where we're like, yeah. yeah, Colin, you're not a piece of shit.
0: <laughs> well, Colin, Colin's not. Colin's a lovely, lovely Welsh boy um, with a lovely accent. <laughs> but did you notice um, when the goal went in off of Danny Rojas's face, did you notice the flight of the ball was really weird? It was, oh, yeah,
1: it's clearly a CGI football.
0: It's either that or it's someone in a green screen suit holding the ball and like carrying it across to the goal. <laughs> sped up but it just it looked so bizarre it looked like it should have got a mile above the net but yeah it kind of went and dipped very quickly which i just thought was was quite funny but after the match we get to a, a scene with where there are chelsea are announcing zava as a player um and we're sat at the table and the contract's in front of him and uh everyone's quite down on the fact that chelsea drew to lowly richmond And they say, well, we've got some good news for you. Please welcome Zava. And he comes out and he goes, I've changed my mind. We're not going to, I'm not going to sign for him. I'm going to play for Richmond. (laughs) In my head, I was like, no club in the world would wait until the press bit to sign a real contract. They all take a picture with a pen looking like they're signing Mm -hmm. it, but they've signed the contract with their agents there, hours before and this is just for the press so I just thought it was really funny and how humiliating it would be for a real club to go well we've had him but now we've lost him Um, also we don't know if Richmond have an agreement with Juventus who is the club that Zava came from so just to assume that he's going to play for Richmond is another egotistical thing that that zava did which i thought was quite funny
1: yeah that that was something that confused me too because they they talk about how he's played for 14 clubs in 15 seasons yeah and I, i just soccer contracts are something that i don't fully understand because it seems like a guy will sign with a club and then that club can basically just lease him out
0: wherever yeah they can so they they have you can do a loan deal so you see a lot of clubs buy. um a player with loads of potential, but isn't quite ready to play in their first team. And then they'll loan them out so that they still have that opportunity to play first team football. Um, But in this case, rather than loaning them out, they are selling Zava because I assume he is, he is saying, I don't want to play here anymore to the club. And if a player doesn't want to play there, you're better off selling them because the money's better and you don't want a disruption in the locker room. But the way that it works with uh, football, and I'll keep this very brief, is you don't buy and sell the player. You buy and sell their registration rights to FIFA. So mm. when, you, when you pay, I don't know, £30 million for Zava, you're paying for the registration at FIFA to say that he plays for your club. So you can sell that at any point throughout a contract, or a player can run the contract down and uh, go for free. So that's how it kind of works.
1: Yeah. So the only other thing I have about that scene is they, the locker room finds out that Zava has announced that he's going to sign with Richmond and everyone, but Jamie again is celebrating this news. And, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it kind of feels like maybe they're setting up Jamie to be a new Nate and, uh, it's offering Ted, a a, an option, an opportunity for, another moment to recognize that even though this time it's not necessarily Ted's decision. To bring in zava where at the time with nate he brought in roy and that's kind of what made nate feel like second fiddle again um this this case it seems more like an involuntary circumstance that yeah ted's being put into but he can still recognize that he'll have an opportunity to try and help jamie in this moment
0: yeah i think that's that's probably fair i also noticed that yeah ted wasn't very excited and i think that's about Ted's character and believing he can turn anyone around because um, Ted has dealt with big personalities before. In Jamie, I think Jamie and and Zava are exactly the same personality from Jamie series one to Zava now. So I think this is Ted's challenge to say, "I can, I can sculpt him into the player that he wants to be and make him successful."
1: So moving into what is essentially the final scene of the the episode, uh, we're we're. Back at Richmond, they're get, gathering their stuff. The coaches are just kind of having a, a moment with Trent Krim in the, the office as well. Mm-hmm. And Ted asks Roy, what, what, is, what was it like being back at Chelsea today? It sure seemed like they they loved seeing you back there. And uh Roy goes on into a very thinly veiled conversation, a, a soliloquy, about how it, it felt great to be back. But when he was there, there was one game in particular where he just he knew he played awful and that was when he was like, I need to get out of here. I don't want to be the guy that they've kept around just because I am a lifelong player here. I, I want to leave before it's too late. I want to leave on my own terms. And that's basically what led him to Richmond. But he just said, and he says that when he got back there, there's like this wave of regret that essentially washed over him that he should have just, could have just stayed and enjoyed the ride which i think is is such a a nice sentiment especially in a sport like football where yeah maybe he he his shortcomings allow a goal in a game but how many games a season is he really costing them because he still played really well for richmond from what we can tell yeah
0: and they they still con- they still consider him a legend at richmond because of the way they acted when he came back and became the coach in season 2 so yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it was a lovely sentiment, but there's also a bit. Is it Trent or Ted that says that that's not who you are?
1: Uh, Roy says Roy says that's not who I am, and because okay. he he's saying that he's not the kind of guy that would sit there and take up a roster spot just to enjoy a farewell tour, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Ted says not yet, and <laughs> it, again, it's it's a very thinly veiled analogy for him and Keeley as well, which implies that. Royce saw that there was an expiration date on their relationship and yeah. he got out too early instead of too late, which right. that among other things, he's also kind of contradicting himself because he's acknowledging that he, he knew that there was more time and he yeah. knew that he could have finished, finished his career there, but he didn't want to have to, he basically he didn't want to have to get old and die yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the relationship. Ted and uh, Ted and Trent basically just, hammer the 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 point of Roy's conversation home by saying, Oh, sport, what a great thing for analogies. Yeah. And yeah. So that's pretty much it. My my last couple of notes are um, they have one more episode to reunite Roy and Keeley. Otherwise I feel like it's gonna start feeling stale.
0: Really? I, I never got that feeling, but
1: I I feel like that it's they're hammering it home so hard that they clearly want to still be together, but for whatever reason, Roy's pride, whatever they're not right and even though keely was like one moment for keely when they were um when they were in chelsea and she heard everyone cheering for roy that she was getting a little emotional but this episode keely didn't really do too much moping around more about roy um other than the the exchanging of the stuff as well but overall keely's storyline was largely absent of roy yeah, um, but being, I just
0: being real with you, I don't think they're going to get together next episode.
1: <laughs> I don't think so either. But for me, it's going to start feeling old because they, they have already solidified that they broke up for no real reason other than yeah. Roy's pride. And and like, I, I don't he, even he doesn't fully understand why they broke up. So I'm hoping at least by the end of next episode, Roy's going to start working towards getting Keely back.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough.
1: Um, I thought it was a really good episode. I I think it was better than last week's episode. Like this, this felt more like a season premiere episode, but because again, as we talked about last week, they, they kind of needed to do a recap episode. Okay. And that's what last week was. And this week felt more like, Hey, we're back. We're doing a thing. And uh, I I really enjoyed it. And I, the, the gags, for the most part, I think, were more hit than miss.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So if you had to give this a, a score on a scale of 1 to 10, what are we thinking today? I would give it an 8. I think it's a solid 8. I think I agree with you. 8 out of 10. Happy with that. Um, so before we jump into Josh's quiz, and I know we're going uh, a little bit longer than we, we originally promised, but I just like talking to you, Josh. Um, what, <laughs> Same. What did you, think of, uh, what did you think of their appearance at the White House during the uh, press conference
1: i've only been able to catch little clips of it and the one clip i saw where they actually had trent crim ask a question yeah uh they didn't show trent crim in the the camera feed so that fell a little flat for me but um i i thought it was kind of fun and i i think the build-up towards it was more interesting because you shared with me the tweet from uh joe biden's official twitter account yeah. where they had the believe sign over the oval office and everything yeah, um, but it, it was it's fun and it kind of speaks to how Ted Lasso has has impacted a lot of people right yeah, now.
0: It's, it's massive. I I thought it was fun. Uh, I do think so. I I watched the bit that they're in. They're only in the sort of the first five minutes of the the conference. But the the press room at the White House, from what I know, seems like a very heated place. And the first thing mm. that you have is a journalist really going and shouting quite a lot with them all looking very awkward on stage about something going on in the world. And, and they're like, well, can we just can we just calm this down? Can we just calm this down? And I've never seen a group of people look like they don't want to be somewhere as much as I did during that bit there. But they move on and, and uh, Jason Sudeikis talks quite eloquently. And I thought that it was just a really nice way to um just get them out in the public a little bit more um i did love trent crim being part of the the press room though i thought that was really really good
1: it was a nice touch
0: it was a nice touch right josh so i've got two more things for you um but we're going to start with the quiz and we're going to fly through these questions um last week i said in the episode that you got one out of five but that's not true you got two out of five i apparently can't (laughs) count higher than two so this week let's uh (laughs) let's aim for three um, so question number one What is Chelsea Football Club's ground called? Pass. <laughs> I've said it in this episode.
1: Um, yeah, no,
0: pass. Okay, so it's called Stamford Bridge. Um, okay, or as Chelsea fans know, they call it the bridge. Uh, so question two What is El Clasico?
1: Um, the British, uh, Telemundo.
0: What's the Telemundo?
1: Telemundo is the uh, exclusively Spanish-speaking channel in America. (laughs)
0: Okay, cool. Uh, El Clasico is when Barcelona and Real Madrid play each other. It's called El Clasico. No matter how many times they do it per year, no matter where it is, it's always called El Clasico. What colors do Aston Villa wear?
1: Um yeah i'm cheating because it's right behind you uh looks like a royal blue a maroon red and a yellow stripe
0: well we'll we'll forget the yellow i'm actually wearing a villa kit as we speak so um claret and blue is the answer but i'll give you the point for that one um so what does var stand for
1: um pass
0: (laughs) go on if you had to guess
1: VAR, can I get a context?
0: Yeah, so if you were in a game uh, and a penalty was given, the commentator might say, uh, let's go to VAR.
1: Um, I'm going to guess it's some kind of review system. I couldn't tell you what the acronym is. I'm
0: going to give you the point. It's Video Assistant Referee. Okay. So VAR, Video Assistant Referee. Uh, And the final question is, What is the traditional role of a player wearing the number nine shirt?
1: Um, That would probably be leading scorer. I'll
0: give you the point. It's a striker. So the the person at the top of the team who's probably going to score the goal. So, Josh, well done. Three out of five this week. All right. We're going to have you as a football aficionado in no time. (laughs) Um, So I've got one more thing for you, and that is our football mad story. Um, And this story doesn't scratch the surface of how mad this player is. It's a player named Mario Balotelli. Now, Mario Balotelli is... I don't even know how to describe him. He is (laughs) wonderfully batshit, but he's a massive character. So I've just got six bullet points of mad shit that Mario Balotelli has done. In no particular order, Um, but there is much more than this. So we start with, and I've put the headline as bathtub fireworks. So on the eve of the Manchester derby, fire crews were called out to Mario Balotelli's house because he was bored. So he decided to light loads of fireworks in his bathtub and set fire to his bathroom in his Manchester mansion. (laughs) After this, he became the fireworks safety ambassador for the city of Manchester. So uh, Seems appropriate. Yeah, that's one thing. So shortly after moving to Manchester City, uh, Mario Balotelli was pulled over by um, police who searched his car and found £5,000 in cash. And when they asked, why do you have £5,000 in cash on you? His response was, because I am rich. So that speaks to who Mario Balotelli is. Whilst uh, um, playing for Olympic Marseille, uh, Mario Balotelli scored a goal and his celebration. So, you know, you have American football celebrations. They go really over the top. Football's a little bit like that, but they try and keep them really unique. So Mario Balotelli ran to a member of the crowd who had his phone and he decided to celebrate by starting an Instagram Live video and celebrated on Instagram Live on the pitch during a game. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: There was another night where he went to a casino and won £25,000 only to go directly outside the casino and give £1,000 in cash to a homeless man just because he Mm. had the money. Yeah, Uh, He paid a bar owner in Naples 2,000 euros to drive his moped into the sea because it would be funny. (laughs) Um, And then, so the Manchester Derby... That's like the two
1: ends of the rich asshole spectrum right there. Yeah. You have the, like, oh, I'll (laughs) I'll be a philanthropist and just give away money. Oh, hey, this would make me laugh for a few seconds. (laughs) Here's some money. Go do this stupid thing that I won't do.
0: Yeah, basically. And then the final one... um, the Manchester Derby I spoke about before, that he he set fire to his bathroom the night before. Um, Manchester City went on to win that game six one, which is a pumping in in football. Yeah. He scored the first goal for Manchester City and revealed a shirt underneath his kit that just said "Why always me?" And the answer, Mario, is because you make <laughs> it about you. Um, Mario Balotelli yeah, because, is because you. Yeah, Mario Balotelli is fantastic to read up about he is crazy there are stories i haven't spoken about including claiming he has an allergy to grass playing as a football Hmm. player there's a video of him for 40 seconds where he can't put on a training bib um that was played uh, (laughs) on the news which was great um yeah he's he's just such a character is well worth reading up on. But that is my mad football, mad story for you for this week, Josh.
1: So yeah, I, w- I wish we, I mean, I'm sure we have characters like that in the U S but I, I just don't follow athletes that hard anymore. Like Fair that. Enough. A lot of that sounds kind of like Dennis Rodman to me. Yeah. Uh, back in the nineties, the dude, just, they're making a movie off of a, an infamous weekend that he had where, uh, in the middle of the Chicago bulls season, a season where they ended up winning the championship. He's just like, I need like three days. And the bulls were like, okay. So they let him have like a three day leave. And he ended up going on this tear in Vegas with Carmen Electra that ended up with him and Carmen Electra getting married. And it, it ended with them being back in Chicago and, uh, Rodman had gotten a, a hotel room or he had bought an apartment across the street from where the bulls played so that he wouldn't ever really be that late. Oh but Michael God. Jordan at the end of the third day went to his apartment across the street, banged on the door and uh, was like, let's go. Like Michael Jordan had to physically go and get him after this three day bender.
0: Oh my God. And well,
1: they're, they're going to turn that weekend into a movie starring Jonathan majors. <laughs>
0: That sounds great. Um, next week, I'll take you through Zlatan Ibrahimović um, or Zava in in Ted Lasso, <laughs> and you'll understand a little right. bit why, why he's portrayed the way that he is.
1: All right. Well, I think that will wrap us up for this week. Um, I did think we needed to come up with a closing line. So I think what we should do is pull out another classic Ted Lasso colloquialism and say to everyone listening, thanks for listening. Uh, oh, we should do socials first. Um, you can follow me
0: sorry I was going to say find me on Talking Smack Discord
1: (laughs) there you go Uh, you can find the Talking Smack Discord at smackpod at gmail.com you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Talking Smack Pod you can follow me at Josh underscore Scar and thanks so much for listening and remember to be curious not judgmental
0: what a lovely sign off now scram whistle whistle scram whistle whistle whistle